0: Welcome to Moses is Dead. This is part two of the conversation on the consumer mindset of the institutional church.
1: Let's go back to Moses is Dead.
0: Yeah, we taste some rabbits and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. So yeah, let's go back to the M- Moses is Dead. Joshua had already been told, you know, prior to this, basically like you're going to take over for Moses after he's dead and you're going to lead the people. Into the Promised Land, and I know that the common analogy, and even in hymns, is that crossing Jordan into the Promised Land has been equated with death, and then crossing over into heaven. And when I read this a couple years ago, it was glaringly obvious to me, and this is just to me, but it it was pointing out this uh, place of wandering in the wilderness where they were enduring some consequences for their sin and then miraculously crossing the Jordan river into their land of promise. And that, um, that land of promise is the spiritual maturity that I think that God wants for all the believers. And when I say spiritual maturity, I'm not talking about, a biblical scholar to beat all scholars, you know, nothing like that. I'm talking, um, Holy Spirit led like all the time. That should be our goal. 100% Holy Spirit led and everything that we do, everything that we read, how our churches operate, um, pastors, you ought to be Holy Spirit led. If there is an order of service, that's fine. But if the Lord says, let's not do that today, you better not do that today. I'm afraid that our churches have gotten to this point where they have made um, this certain way. There has been a statement made speaking of their church. There's just a way we do things around here.
1: Well, and you got to think about that going back to the consumer mentality that a lot of the pastors are like the CEO of a church. And if the CEO makes a radical call to change the way that things go, the consumers get mad. And then the board of directors, usually a deacon board, is going to vote the CEO out if it's not what the consumers want. And that's the problem is whenever Christ is not the head and uh, opinions of uh, a deacon board or leadership or group of men or women becomes the sole determining factor of what goes and what doesn't go inside the church. Uh, It it is idolatrous, and it's not the body of Christ anymore. It's the building or the institution of man. And, uh, you know, with the crossing over, Moses is dead. I believe where we are right now is that we have a generation that is uh, or has built doctrines and traditions and philosophies that created the consumer mentality. And the Lord is looking at the church today, the remnant, the believers, saying, it is time to quit picking up manna. It is time to quit being consumers. And it's time to cross over into the promise of Christ and the promises of Christ. With that, though, with that, it takes a whole lot of personal responsibility Because like, as Amanda just said, when they crossed over Jordan, manna quit falling from from the sky. Mana quit showing up on the ground. The quails quit coming. They then had to start fending for themselves. And when consumers have to start fending for themselves, they get cranky. (laughs) They get irritable. They get hungry. And if we're not careful...
0: Not just them, but you have to remember that they also complained about manna.
1: Right. They did. Yeah.
0: They got to the point where the miraculous food that was supplied for them every day was not enough for them. Yeah. That they even complained about that. And then that was, that's what kind of, that's what led part of that was, or that was part of what led to them not being able to go into the promised land, that generation as it was, because God was like, all right, you've. You're scared of what these spies have come back and said. You complained about everything. You've been disobedient. Moses, you've been disobedient. So y'all don't get to go. Yeah. And, um, man, I think that that's, if you parallel that to today, that's a bit scary. If you're continually complaining.
1: Murmuring. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah,
0: murmuring, complaining about something all the time. And
1: not even the pastor. Just stuff in general. I mean, you know, we don't like the songs or the songs are too long or they make us stand up for the songs or whatever. And again, it's just, it's that consumer mentality. We, we are going to consume. We are not going to prepare. I, I say, and Amanda and I have had this conversation a lot this past couple of weeks. When you leave church, you should feel challenged, exhausted, stretched just like if you went to the gym you don't go to the gym to consume you go to the gym to output so that you can be prepared to do something greater than what you could yesterday
0: but if you go to the gym and you just walk on the treadmill for 10 minutes you're not going to get anything out of it no except for the satisfaction of i walked in there and i did a little bit
1: maybe some sore feet so when we gather together and if you'll look go back and read what christ did he challenged his apostles every time that they got together he stretched them uh, stretch their thought process and their ideas. And the biggest, the biggest um, pushback that he had was um, the Sanhedrin, you know, Pharisees and Sadducees. They they were the ones that pushed back against him and that they were constantly challenging him because they had set up a consumer deal. They had set up the consumer mentality, just like whenever he went and turned over the tables in the in the temple, It wasn't necessarily because they were selling doves. It was because of how they had set up a system. What the Pharisees had done is figured out they could make money by telling people that their sacrifice wasn't good enough. And lucky for you, we now have doves in the back that you can buy for a low, low price. So the consumer mentality. So Christ came in immediately whenever he came into into Jerusalem, overthrew the money changers' tables, and ran them out because they'd made it a den of thieves. I I I would say definitively that that's what we've done today. You come in, you pay your tithes, you attend your one or two or three weeks, uh, three three services a week. You've done your due diligence so that you can be a good Christian, and then there's nothing else that you need to do the rest of the week. Whenever in reality, what we should be doing is bringing a sacrifice, a sacrifice to the table, uh, that costs us something so that we can prepare ourselves for the week of he- week ahead of doing the work. Instead, we come in, we sit down, we consume, we leave, and we get our golden ticket on the way out the door with the pastor patting us on the back saying, okay, you're a good Christian because you've come to church this week. Hebrews chapter 6 says this, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith towards God of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit, let's get past all the basic doctrines of repentance from dead works of the doctrine of baptisms, the laying on of hands and resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. He says, let's move on into perfection. Let's move beyond these things. And what we did was we st- we've we stopped at those things and made that the brand that we operate under. Let's listen to him again. Repentance from dead works. He said, or laying down again the foundation of repentance from dead works. So whether you're on in the eternal security camp or you're, you're in the perpetual regeneration camp or you can lose your salvation camp, those are the ideas of repentance from dead works, of the doctrines of baptisms. Should you be baptized into the church? Should you be baptized in the name of Jesus? Should you be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? And half of y'all are going to quit listening right now because I'm saying we need to move past that conversation. And then he says, end of the resurrection of the dead. In other words, rapture. Uh, all of those things when the timing of the rapture is pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, no-trib, all-millennial, no-millennial, whatever and then of eternal judgments, whether there's heaven and hell, he says, let's move beyond those things. And in reality, we've never moved beyond those things because that's where we've dug our heels in and we've created divisions among the church on those things specifically and then created a brand surrounding those ideas that has turned into our consumerism. And we've just built off of that. So now... We, went, we moved beyond <laughs> repentance from dead works and now we moved into hymns versus worship songs. Loud preachers versus quiet preachers. Baptism into the church or no baptism into the church. Should we have potlucks or should we do community dinners? And it's just one step further and it's a little bit more childish than the original arguments over baptism and doctrines. And now it's full-on consumerism down to do they have a check-in booth for my kids are they serving goldfish or sliced up strawberries in children's church do they have coffee
0: or do they not have coffee
1: because that's holy too
0: because that's yeah leaving out yeah not having coffee
1: and let's move is past holy. the mega churches let's talk about the the, the little country churches. You know, do we have singings? Are we a part of an association and do we participate in that association, which is just one more big division? Right. And are we following the rules of the association? Are we paying our dues? All of those things. And does it have the people that I like in the association? Again, consumer mentality. Do they sing three hymns? Do they sing off a projector? Do they sing out of a hymn book? Do they, you know?
0: Do they have special singing?
1: Do they have men and women sitting on either side of the church? Do they have padded pews or do they have chairs? All of those things. And we've made all of it about consumerism. And then we become so dedicated to a brand. All right, we're going to really, really going to ruffle some feathers here. We've become so dedicated to a brand that that brand has become our idol. What if your pastor came out Sunday morning, big mega church, and said, we're no longer going to have three services. We're just going to have one. If we can't all fit in the building, you're just going to have to stand outside. How many of you would come back down to your little churches? If your pastor comes in Sunday morning and says, you know what? I'm going to take this pulpit outside and I'm going to burn it. We would clutch our pearls.
0: Call you a like they a heretic, a heretic, a blasphemer, because you're taking a piece of wood outside that somebody built.
1: Let me tell you how much God (laughs) cares about that thing. Not at all.
0: I would like for somebody to show me Scripture where it talks about the furniture of the church.
1: Yeah, being holy,
0: being holy, or the
1: hymn books. You take a hymn book outside and burn it. People's gonna pull their hair out.
0: Do not forget that it says that. Our body is now the temple. Christ talked about his body being the temple. And then yeah. when he ascended and left the Holy Spirit for us.
1: Your building is not, a, the building that you meet in is not a sanctuary. It's not the temple of God. It's not the house of God. I've, I've referred to it as, that. oh, let's all come into the house of God. That is not the house of God. There's nothing holy about that building. You burn it to the ground. God's not going to care.
0: You, you ta- are the dwelling place of God now.
1: Take your crosses that you hang on your wall outside and burn them. God doesn't care. There's only one thing that God cares about. That is the soul of man. But we, as the as the church, the institutional church, has made everything more important than the soul of man. And in doing so, we've created multiple idols. Just like whenever Ezekiel showed, or whenever the Lord showed Ezekiel about the kings and the and the priests in the temple, that yes, they had the Ark of God. Yes, they had the budding rod of Aaron. Yes, they had all of the all of the tools and implementations for doing proper sacrifice. However, they had mingled in other idols with it, and that's what we've done. Do we have the message of Christ? Yes, we do. You know how I know because preachers preach salvation messages every Sunday to a hundred people or a thousand people that are already saved. So we have the message. we have the answer. But we've mingled in all of our favorite idols with it, and God overthrew kings. Based on one thing, what was it? Idolatry. Whether or not they got the idols out of the king out of the kingdom, it said that they did right in the sight of the Lord, but they didn't remove the idols. God still punished them. Hmm. I'm telling you right now, church believers that are listening, if we do not remove the idols. From our lives, and I'm not talking about cell phones and TVs and sports teams and all that other stuff. I'm talking about the major idols that are in our life that are taking the place of God.
0: That have become that are so close, they're like a replica of God. Yeah, and they, we, we've stuck them.
1: They're in, a representation of God, which yes. is what a brazen idol was, or yes, what, and we've stuck a wooden it, idol was.
0: We've stuck it into our lives, just like the idol worshippers stuck their images into the temple we have stuck that stuff into our life to try to make it like god yeah thinking that it is god i think a lot of people are maybe just ignorant and i hope that maybe we can uh, point it out educate and that was the next kind of step in this process of the israelites crossing jordan was they were supposed to sanctify themselves yeah joshua didn't just wake them up and say all right it's time to go there was a time set aside where God said sanctify yourselves, yeah. consecrate yourselves because yeah. we're on the move.
1: Yeah. And set up a, a point of remembrance where you say we're not we're not doing this again. We're not going back again. Yep. So this is my this is my warning. If we don't remove the idols and we continue to be the atrophied church, we will face the judgments that are given to the seven churches in Revelation. And all of them, he said, I know your works. I know what you're doing. So let me say this. The Lord's looking at them and going, I know you're busy.
0: Hmm.
1: I know you're doing things. But you've lost your first love. You look around and you say, look, we're increased with goods. We have need of nothing. And he said, you're poor Wretched, blind, miserable, naked. And he's speaking to all of us and saying, Repent and do your first works. Repent and remove the opinions of man and the opinions of of doctrines and philosophies and denominations. Or I will come quickly. I'll remove your candlestick from its place. I'll come against you with the sword of my mouth. All of those warnings, I would challenge you go back and read Revelation chapter one and two, and three, as he speaks to the churches. People say, "Oh, we're the Church of Laodicea," and in the, in the times that we're in, I believe that to a point. But we're, you know, what we're guilty of almost every single one of them because we have idols. How how in the world did we end up with hundreds of denominations? Whenever he says, "Let there be no division among you," he says, "Let there be no division once named among you."
0: Because we've all fashioned our own golden calves.
1: Right. Based on personal preference. Hmm. Based on personal ideas. So, we're going to keep challenging you. We're going to keep talking about these things. Moses is dead, meaning the wilderness time is over. The time of picking up manna, the time of consuming is over. The time of things coming to you easily is over. A friend of mine had a vision not too long ago about the church. One church in particular. That they fully turned to idolatry. And refused the voice of God. And he had a vision of God God smashing the church flat. And I'll tell you, if we don't turn from idolatry. And we don't turn away from this denominationalism and this separation that we have and the branding of ourselves to a church instead of to God, instead of to Christ, he will smash the church flat. Because what use is it right now? What are we producing? Christ looked at the at the Pharisees and he said, you go out and you'll search far and wide to make one apostate. He said, once you've, once you've turned them, you made them twice the child of hell that you already are. In other words, you fill their heads with your false ideologies. I think the same thing can be said for most of our churches today. Most of our institutional churches, we search far and wide to find one apostate, or we go after one, one person that that we can convert from another church that they've been attending their whole life. Bring them into our building and indoctrinate them with our ideologies, and just make them a consumer of a different of a different church. All right, some of our notes are also going to be included in the in the uh, links below on the podcast. So if you want to download those, you can.
0: I don't know how we'll work them out right now, but I will
1: get it in there. She'll get it in there. some way. Um, really appreciate you listening. Again, we're not deconstructing. We're not trying to tear anybody down. This is This is truly the Lord telling me, you need to warn the church. And I don't take that lightly. So listen, 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 please. As he says in Revelation, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I think if we were all honest, we've been hearing it. We're afraid to make that change, though.
0: I don't know how this podcast is going to go. We've been praying about it for months. Um as a matter of fact, I thought it'd be fun to do a podcast, so I started a sports one. And I am after a few of those, I love sports, don't get me wrong. I had a good time with it, it was fun. But there came a point a few uh months back where I just couldn't I I, I couldn't research the sports stuff anymore. Um, I do enjoy watching still, but it was like, my focus has been turned completely to the word really to parallels, parallels in the Bible, as far as old and new testaments, and then, uh, putting that together with modern times. And so I'm not gonna, I'm not even going to waste my time with that anymore. I don't feel like that we have the time to waste anymore on, on, on that kind of thing. I never, it was just supposed to be for fun anyhow, but this one is so much more important. And I really do think that the Lord led me to start that in the first place so that I could get some of the, um, kind of tweak all of the ins and outs of, of how to do it. And now I know how, so this will be a whole lot easier to get out there to you guys. I'm going to try to. Keep them short-ish, probably about half an hour, if at all possible. So if we record and we talk for over that, then I'll probably just divide it up and and make them a little bit shorter episode so that it won't be super long. I think, I don't know, we're going to see where the Lord leads it and um, let the Spirit completely lead on where we go from here. But I think that the next time that we talk, I would really like to talk about exactly how it looked once the israelites had crossed jordan um it's it's a really really interesting look at uh exactly how god had them all set up
1: we're going to end this the same way that we're going to end it every time do the work of the bereans study for yourself to show thyself approved stay in the word
0: Moses is Dead podcast is hosted and produced by Ryan and Amanda Stokes.